Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? I want to preach about do the right thing. Do the right thing. And most of us recognize that's the title from Spike Lee's movie in 1989. He wrote the movie, he produced the movie, and he directed the movie. It's one of his best works. Still, it's a highly acclaimed movie as he deals with a caste system, uh, he deals with classism, and he deals with racism. And he's encouraging us to have the appropriate response to racism. He wants us to learn how to do the right thing. But today's message is not limited to the caste system or classism or racism, but I want to encourage you to do the right thing across the board, whether it's with your friendships, your relationships, your marriage, your parenting, your money management, your career pursuits, your educational pursuits, and of course, with your walk with God and what you do with Jesus. I want you to learn how to do the right thing. In Matthew 27, by the time Jesus is standing before Pilate, it's Friday morning, it's early Friday morning. Jesus had a long Thursday, celebrated the Passover with his disciples in the upper room, and then they went on as they sang a song and went to the Mount of Olives, and then in the Mount of Olives, he prayed that prayer in that crushing place, that pressing place. Father, I would that this cup would pass from me. If there's any other way for me to bring salvation into the world, God, I'd like to look at some different options than to go through all of this persecution and crucifixion. But then he got the victory when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That was all on Thursday night. And as he's closing that prayer out, here comes Judas to betray Jesus. As Judas is coming to betray Jesus, he has a crowd with him of men that have clubs and swords. They've been sent by the Sanhedrin Council. The Sanhedrin Council is not just a religious body with influence on the people living in Israel, but they are the judicial body. They judge those who are citizens of Israel. They have the authority to make arrests. That's why they sent these men with these clubs and this sword. But it was Judas was supposed to point Jesus out to them. And as Judas goes to betray Jesus, he's getting ready to kiss Jesus. And Jesus says, you going to play me like that? I mean, I know you're going to betray me, but you're going to betray me with a kiss? And I'm so glad that Matthew put that in the text to remind you and I that everybody kissing on you ain't looking out for you. There are some people who will kiss on you with an ulterior motive. There are people who will kiss on you with a hidden agenda. It's not always, y'all ain't saying amen to this, it's not always reciprocal in all this kissing. Sometimes it's selfish, and, and that's what's happening here. He's betraying Jesus with a kiss. They arrest Jesus, and now he's in court at night, which breaks their rules. You're not supposed to have court at night. They're trying Jesus at night, and, and as they're trying Jesus, He's on trial. The Sanhedrin is trying to find some witnesses who will lie against Jesus. So that didn't work. They couldn't find any. But one witness, even though he wouldn't lie against Jesus, he said, I did hear Jesus say that he'll tear down the temple and then build it back up in three days. 
And the Sanhedrin council chief priest said, you know what? That's his way of claiming to be the son of God. That's his way of claiming to be the Christ, the Messiah. And they said that's blasphemy. That's grounds for death. And they sentenced Jesus to death. But because the Hebrew people were under oppression from the Roman government, they couldn't sentence somebody to death without the approval of the Roman government. Pilate, Pontius Pilate, is the governor for that region. He's, he's, he's a Roman, but he's working in Israel, and that's his region that he oversees, that he governs. He has to give the approval for the death sentence to Jesus. So now it's early Friday morning. They bring Jesus to Pilate. So Pilate is asking Jesus a bunch of questions. And, but he asked the Sanhedrin, why y'all want to sentence him to death? What's going on with that? Well, he blasphemed. He says he's the Messiah. He says he's the Son of God. <laughs> and Pilate said, man, I don't even believe in your God. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't care anything about that. We're not going to kill this man because you said he blasphemed. The Sanhedrin then changed the charges. Y'all have to follow this to get the message today. First, they tried to get people to lie on Jesus because they arrested Jesus with no charges. Then the charge was blasphemy. But because Pilate wouldn't accept that, they changed the charge now to treason. They said, well, he claims to be a king, and we only have one king. And that king is Caesar. So if somebody's trying to take Caesar's throne, of course, the death penalty ought to come. So Pilate looked at Jesus. Jesus had been whipped and beaten all night Thursday. He looked at him, Jesus standing there all bloody, clothes all raggedy. He looks like a root out of dry ground. He looks like any and everybody else. And Pilate said, man, he is no threat to Caesar and his throne. I'm not going to let y'all kill him for that. And he's ready to throw the case out. But he didn't know the Sanhedrin, the chief, the chief priests, they had already started talking to the crowd. And they instigated the, the crowd to come in and demand from Pilate that you crucify Jesus. And now Pilate finds himself in a jam. He's got these Hebrew people demanding him to crucify Jesus. He wants to certainly please Caesar Augustus. He wants to please his boss. And so he's supposed to not only be the judge in that area, but keep peace in that area. And he doesn't want a riot and violence to start off, to jump off because they, they want him to crucify Jesus. So he doesn't want that to happen because he's supposed to keep peace so he can keep his job and won't make Caesar mad. But he also wants to appease the Sanhedrin because they got to work together in that area. He wants to please the people, but they're asking him to crucify somebody. And his wife already told him, I had a vision. Leave that man Jesus alone. He's innocent. And he said he was in. So he's got all of this happening. He's in a jam. Pilate's in a tight. Y'all, Pilate is in a predicament. He's in a dilemma. How do I please Caesar, my boss? How do I keep this crowd from being violent and acting a fool and rising up? How do I appease the Sanhedrin? And how do I please my wife? Now, let me say this about his wife, too. His wife is the granddaughter of, the, of Caesar Augustus. That's the only reason he got the job, because Caesar hated him. Caesar couldn't stand Pilate. But since you're married to my granddaughter, I'm going to give you this position as governor. All of that is going on. He's trying to figure out how to deal with it. How do I get out of it? How do I make Here's what he decided. Here's how he said he's going to fix it. I'm going to fix it, because every year, Pilate would have one prisoner released, whoever the Jews during the Passover 
whoever they want to release, he would release one prisoner. So this year, he decided, I'm not going to let them choose. I'm going to take Jesus, and I'm going to set him up against Barabbas. And then whichever one they want to release, that's the one I'm going to part. Now understand, Barabbas was the worst criminal that was in prison at that time. He was a lifetime criminal. He was a robber. He was a thief. This time he's in jail for murder. So he sets up Barabbas against Jesus. Jesus is a preacher, a teacher. He's healed the sick. He's given sight to the blind. He's loved on the people. He supported it. So he, he says, all right, to the crowd. Now, which one do you want me to pardon? He was convinced they're going to choose Jesus. <laughs> they didn't choose Jesus. They chose Barabbas. He's, he's, he's in shock. You mean to tell me y'all going to choose somebody who hurts people over somebody that helps people? Y'all going to choose somebody wretched over somebody who's righteous? Y'all, there is something that is called crowd psychology. And, and psychologically speaking, crowd psychology is when you get in a crowd and individuals ignore their own personal responsibility and they just do whatever the crowd does. This is also called mob psychology. All of us have seen it. We, we're protesting and we're marching and then the crowd starts acting a fool. And folk that normally have sense, y'all ain't helping me today. They ignore their own responsibility, personal individual responsibility and they start acting a fool like the rest of the crowd. That's what's happening here. Because Pilate is shocked because he's saying, y'all do know five days ago, y'all was saying, Hosanna to God in the highest about Jesus. Now, five days later, y'all talking about crucifying. That's why y'all better be careful about putting your trust in people. Because people go back and forth. One day they with you, and five days later, they trying to crucify you. And so Pilate is messed up. He's in a jam. He can't get it right. So he gets a, a, a basin of water, and he begins to wash his hands. And he tells the Jews, he said, listen, I ain't got nothing to do with this. I'm finished with this. If y'all want to crucify him, take me out of it. I ain't got nothing to do with it. It's on y'all. And he washes his hands up. He's trying not to make a decision. What do you mean? This is indecision. But y'all do know indecision is still a decision. When you make a decision to not make a decision, that's still a decision. That's what he's trying to do. And instead of doing that, Pilate, what you could do is do the right thing. That's, that's, that's what the whole message is about. He asked the crowd, then y'all want me to free Barabbas, then what shall I do with Jesus? You want to know what you should do with Jesus? You should choose the right in the face of all this wrong. It is so much that is wrong with what they're doing with Jesus in this situation and even though everybody else may be doing wrong, y'all don't, that don't mean you should do wrong. Life is about choices. Every choice you make is going to be a consequence to it. Life is a series of choices. Every day you and I wake up, we have so many choices that we got to make during the day. Life is a series of choices. From the cradle to the grave, we got to keep making choices. From the time we're born to the time we die. Y'all, even babies got to make a choice. They got to choose to holler or swallow because you can't do both at the same time. And when we're making these choices and these decisions, there are always consequences that come behind that. In, in 1970, there was a PR company, and they did this research on how many advertisements that we see every day in the 70s. And they said, this is before the Internet, they said that we see 
1,600, as many as 1,600 advertisements every day. And that was just with, with newspaper, magazines, radio, television, billboards, 1,600 decisions that we got to make every day. And then they did the same research in 2007. Now we got the internet. They said, no, it's not 1,600. It's up to 5,000 advertisements that we see every day because now you got the digital advertising going on and you got Facebook with its advertisement, you got digital banners, you got every time you Google five advertisements come up. Eat this, sleep here, drive this, wear this, subscribe now. So we got all these decisions that we have to and that same company did research recently and he said no it's not 5,000. We're up to 10,000 advertisements every day with somebody trying to get us to make a certain choice. And if you and I think about it, there's so much that is happening in the world that is wrong. But the Word of God is trying to show you and I, we can still choose right even in the face of the wrong. Pilate, if you want to know what you're supposed to do, choose what's right. Because what they were doing to Jesus, Freddie Haynes would say this, that they're wrong on so many levels. They were wrong legally because you're not even supposed to have court at night. And how are you going to arrest somebody and you don't even have any charges against them? Not only are they wrong legally, they're wrong morally. They're wrong ethically. They're wrong spiritually. They're wrong on so many levels. And every day, whether it's personal, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our churches, in this world, we're seeing things that are so wrong. But in the power of God's Holy Spirit, you and I can still choose to do right even in the face of the wrong. When I, was a, when I was a student at Bishop College, they used to have this conference every year, the L.K. Williams Ministers Institute. They had it every year. And, and, and Bishop College would invite preachers from around the country and different parts of the world to come and minister and preach and teach. And Manuel Scott Sr., Dr. Manuel Scott Sr. used to come in from Los Angeles, great preacher, great pastor, successful in ministry and all of that. And, and some of us who were students, we saw him walking on campus one day and cornered him. And we had him out there for a minute too. We were just asking one question after another about ministry and preaching and teaching and pastoring. And then one of my classmates asked Dr. Scott, who was very, very successful as a pastor and minister, said, Dr. Scott, what is your secret to success? Because we, you know, we all wanted to be ministers and chaplains and pastors and preachers. What is your secret to success? And I was looking for Dr. Scott to say something profound and mystic and deep. Here's what he said. If you want to be successful, then find out what's right and do it. Now, I know some of y'all thought I was going to be profound today and deep and mystical. But no, if you want to be successful in your career, in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in community, in ministry, if we want to be successful, then find out what's right, then do it. What then shall I do with Jesus? Well, why don't you do justice in the face of the injustice? Pilate, you are the judge. Why is the judge asking the people what the judge ought to do? Won't you do your job? Why don't you choose justice in the face of injustice? Y'all, everybody knows Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty is that, that, that woman that holds the scales in the courtroom because she's, she's weighing both sides of the argument. 
and she decides what's right and what's wrong. She's got those two scales. But in the courtroom, Lady Liberty also wears a blindfold because when she's deciding on justice, Lady Liberty don't care if you're black or white, if you're rich or poor, if you're young or old, if you're learned or unlearned. Lady Liberty doesn't care because she's blindfolded. She's not looking at that. She's just weighing the, the, the arguments, what, what's right and what's wrong. But all of us know Lady Liberty doesn't wear a blindfold in America. In America, Lady Liberty took her blindfold off. And justice ain't the same for all of us. It depends on what color your skin is, what your gender is, what your background is. Because in, in America, Lady, Lady Liberty took her mask off. And mind you, who was it? Uh, Brian Stevenson of the Equal Justice Initiative. Brian Stevenson says that in the United States of America, when it comes to justice, he says that if you are wealthy and guilty, you got a better chance of getting justice than if you are poor and innocent. Okay, y'all ain't saying amen to this. Um, oh, oh, Jesus, in, in Revelation 1, it says that, that Jesus' feet was like polished brass. The skin of Jesus was like polished brass. Jesus was brown. Here is a brown man that got arrested with no charges. Here's a brown man that's in court, and the judges are trying to find witnesses to lie against him. Here's a brown man who's in court, and when they finally come up with charges, when they see those charges won't stick, they change the charge to something else. Here is a brown man who's been found innocent. Even the judge said, I find no fault in him. He's in. His wife even said he's innocent. Judas even tried to get the money back because he's innocent. With all of this innocence going on, they still treated this brown man like he was guilty. He was the victim, but they treated him like a villain. They criminalized him. I'm just trying to show you that, that even when Pilate turned Jesus over to the military police, you know what the military police did with this brown man? They beat him down. And then he died in the custody of the military police. I'm just trying to show you Jesus can identify with the injustice that we're going through in America, where black and brown people can be shot and killed by those who are supposed to protect and serve, and nobody come alongside to do anything in terms of consequence to bring justice. That Jesus can identify with black and brown people being arrested for things that other folk don't. Y'all ain't helping me preach this. If you want to know what you should do, why don't you choose justice in the face of the injustice? Why don't you do what the Bible said do? Let justice rush down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. What shall I do with Jesus? Why don't you choose truth in the face of so many lies? E even in verse 18, in, in, in Matthew 22, in verse 18, here's what, here's what Pilate said. I know the Sanhedrin are lying because they're just doing this because they're envious of Jesus. They're bringing these charges because when Jesus got here, Jesus' crowd kept growing and their crowds kept getting smaller. And out of envy, I know they're lying. Well, if you know they're lying, won't you choose the truth in the face of the lies? 
And this ain't just about Pilate either, y'all. This is about you and I. Y'all, the enemy uses lies to destroy. God uses the truth to develop. And the reason why so many of us are operating in the midst of destruction is because we listen to and listen to a bunch of lies and then we live a lie. And the enemy brings the lie in order to destroy us. Y'all, here's what, here's what Jesus said about this. Jesus said, Jesus said, Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of lies? That means every lie that's ever been told, Satan planted the seed. So when you and I, and, and notice how we put colors on certain lies, when we go to tell a white lie, because I'm just trying to get out of this situation, I'm just, no, 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 you got to understand something. Every lie that's ever been told, Satan planted the seed. And he uses those lies to bring destruction. Well, God uses truth to develop us. The truth, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. So no matter how bad something looks, no matter what you're up against, I just encourage you to keep choosing the truth, y'all, because God is going to use that truth to bring the freedom that you need in the situation that you're facing. One lie after another. And he's talking about, what should I do with Jesus? Why don't you choose the truth. And, and when Jesus was talking to Pilate about the truth, Pilate was saying, I don't believe there is a truth. Not an absolute truth. Pilate believes that truth is subjective. It just depends on who's talking and who's thinking. Pilate doesn't believe in an absolute truth. He believes that right and wrong is based on the situation and the predicament that somebody's in. And y'all ain't going to look at me like that because some of y'all think like Pilate. We don't believe in an absolute right and an absolute wrong. It just depends on my situation. So if I lost my job and I'm in poverty and my family is hungry, I, I don't normally steal and I don't normally deal and I don't normally do this stuff, but the situation, and I know I'm going to be all right because God knows my heart. Anytime you hear a Christian start talking about God knows my heart, something's going to jump off. Something's going to jump off. Because... We don't believe in absolutes, but I want you to understand there is an absolute truth. There are absolute rights, and there are absolute wrongs. And in the face of the lies that we deal with every day, that we have to choose the truth because the enemy uses truth to bring destruction. Y'all, when the pandemic first hit, when COVID-19 first showed up a little more than two years ago, there was a high-ranking official, the highest-ranking official in the United States of America that just started lying. There is no COVID-19. There is no virus. There is no pandemic. There's nothing you have to worry about. It's all a hoax. He started off lying. And then went on to say, well, it may be a virus, but it, it'll just pass away. It'll just, and by, by Easter, we'll all be back in church. You don't even go to church. Come on, we'll all be back. No, we will all be back in church. And we still ain't got back. One lie after another. And because of those lies, look at how bad the sickness got in America. All the deaths that could have been avoided in America because the enemy uses lies to destroy. But when we choose truth, and some of us lie because we think that's the only way to get through something. That's the only way to bring destruction. Because even though Jesus was going through what he was going through, he didn't come up with a bunch of lies. 
Yes, they beat him. Yes, they whipped him. Yes, they did wrong by him. They nailed his hands. They spiked his feet. Yes, they crucified Christ. But y'all, three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead. A few days after that, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. All they did to Jesus, and he rose above it. Y'all got to get this. He was almost saying, do whatever y'all need to do. Do whatever y'all trying to do to me, because when it's over, I'll rise above that. I'm trying to tell you, truth crushed to the ground will rise again. Let me give you one more, and I'm done. What shall I do with Jesus? Why don't you choose Jesus over the crowd? You want to know what to do with Jesus. Choose Christ over the crowd. Pilate keeps listening to the crowd. What, what do y'all want to do? What, who y'all want me to release? Stop listening to the crowd. Start listening to Jesus. Choose Christ. And yo, I know we live in a time that there's so much Christ bashing, Christianity bashing, and church bashing. I get it. And some of us have eased away from Christ and the church and the kingdom and started hanging out with the crowd. That's what happened to Judas. You want to know, how did Judas go from being a hand-picked disciple of Jesus to betraying Jesus with a kiss? You want to know how it happened? Because he started hanging out with the crowd that was opposed to Jesus. Y'all, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they've been trying to get at Jesus for three years. One time they tried to stone him. Another time they tried to throw him off a cliff. When, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, they tried to kill Lazarus and Jesus. They'd been going after him. The chief priests, Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, and then Judas went and joined the crowd that was opposed to Jesus. Next thing you know, he went and got a, a rope and a branch and did that that was self-destructive. I got to stay here a second because some of us are on our way to self-destruction. You used to be a part of the church crowd. You left the church crowd. And you done join the crowd that's opposed to Jesus. I mean, Judas used to run with Peter, James, and John, Bartholomew, Levi. He used to run with the church. He used to run with the crowd with Jesus. Now he runs with the crowd opposed to Jesus. And some of y'all have been brought up in the church, and you were with the church crowd. Now you done join the crowd that's bashing Christ and his followers and his church. And understand something, too. I'm not trying to act like the church doesn't have issues and struggles. We do have issues. Church does have problems. I'm, I grew up in the church. I, I can be honest about church. But we've never claimed to be a perfect place for perfect people. We've never told you we're here because we're perfect. We're here because we need salvation in Jesus. We're here to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. We're here because we want to be sanctified. We want to be less and less like this world and more and more like Christ. And we know that takes time to make that happen. But as bad as the church might be, we ain't as bad as Caiaphas, the chief priest. We ain't as bad as the Pharisees. We're not as bad as the Sadducees. We're not as bad as the Sanhedrin Council. We got our issues, but we ain't as bad as the drug dealer and the bang gang, the, the gang banker. We ain't as bad as this. As a matter of fact, the church is the best thing God left on this earth. And when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for one thing. That's the church. Y'all, if you want to know what to do, Choose Christ over the crowd. Some of us, that crowd is making us miss the very thing that God has for us. And here's, here, is, here is Pilate asking the crowd, what should I do? You face to face with Jesus and you asking the crowd, 
You talking to the chief priest about Jesus? You're face to face with Jesus. You asking the Sanhedrin, what am I supposed to do with Jesus? Won't you ask Jesus? You, I wish y'all were getting this because I ain't talking about Pilate no more. I'm talking about you. You face to face with Jesus and Jesus is telling you about the kingdom. Pilate said, are you a king? Well, you said, it. Hey, yeah, I'm a king. But my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is righteous, the righteousness of God, the reign of God, the rule of God. And most of us in here know if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need will be added unto you. He's face to face with Jesus explaining the kingdom, and Jesus was telling him about the truth. But rather than receiving the truth from Jesus, he came up with his own truth that is subjective. There is no absolute truth. What did Jesus say about truth? And Pilate, you want to know what to do with Jesus? You don't have to ask the Pharisees. You don't have to ask. Listen to what Jesus is saying about Jesus. Well, what did Jesus say about Jesus? He asked, are you the Messiah, you the Christ? You, yes, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Christ. Listen to what Jesus, because some people's argument is this, that the reason I'm not with Christ and Christianity and the church is because there's so many different religions talking about Jesus. So many different denominations and all of them saying something different about Jesus. So many different churches and their doctrines and theology and all these different things that they're saying about Jesus. Well, why don't you, instead of getting confused, listening to what preachers and pastors and churches hopes are saying about Jesus, why don't you listen to what Jesus is saying about Jesus? Forget the crowd, choose Jesus. And what is Jesus saying about Jesus? Jesus said, I am the living water. And if you're thirsty, I'll give you water that you never thirst again. It will well up inside of you as the Holy Spirit to bring you eternal life. What is Jesus saying about Jesus? I am the bread of life. If you're empty, that God is able through Jesus to satisfy that hunger that you have on the inside. What is Jesus saying about Jesus? He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the true vine, and if you're going to survive and thrive, you've got to stay connected to the true vine. What is Jesus saying about Jesus? He's saying, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and he that liveth and believeth shall never die. Do you believe this? What is Jesus saying about Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's still only one name under heaven where men and women might be saved, and that one name is Jesus. Stop listening to what everybody else is saying about Jesus. What is Jesus saying about Jesus? Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay my life down. And if I lay it down, I'll pick it up again. And he laid it down to pay the penalty for your sin. Choose Jesus. Sitting up here, allowing a crowd to make you miss Christ. Now, I, was, I had to preach. Well, I was invited to preach in Dallas on a Friday. And they wanted me to do a Friday night message. And then they wanted me to stay Saturday and do a, a leadership workshop for the leaders of the ministry. And I said, listen, I don't mind coming. I'll be honored to come. I said, but 
I don't know about that Saturday piece because I got to be back at Easter Star Church by 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. So if you can make sure these flights can get me back to my church on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., I'd be glad to do your Friday and Saturday. Otherwise, you might have to find somebody else. They, we checked the flights. It worked out. I get back on Saturday evening in plenty of time. So I preached Friday. I taught on Saturday, got on the plane, and... And then I, was, I had a connecting flight through Atlanta, which I ain't sweating that. The flight from Atlanta to Indianapolis is one hour. And so I wouldn't sweat any of that, except a storm broke out across America. Flights were being delayed. Flights were being canceled. I'm looking at the board. Even though other flights were being canceled, my flight was delayed, but it wasn't canceled. And I was so glad until I found out I didn't have a seat on the flight. So folk, it was crowded in the place. Folk were in line trying to get to the counter to talk to the representative. I'm in line with them, and I finally get up there, and, and I don't normally do this, y'all. No, normally, what I did, because they were up there cussing her out and fussing, and I'm like, now you can catch more bees with honey than you can vinegar, right? So I'm like, no, I'm not going up like that. I'm going I'm, I'm to come with a different attitude, because I, I respect people anyway. It ain't her fault a storm hit and they canceled flight. So, but I'd never do this, but I did it this time. I walked up to the counter and I said, I said, ma'am, my name is Pastor Jeffrey Johnson. I never do this. <laughs> I always just say, I'm Jeffrey Johnson. Not this time. I said, ma'am, I'm Pastor Jeffrey Johnson. I had a seat on this flight. I had a seat a month ago. I don't know what y'all did with my seat, but I need to get on this flight and I need to get to Indianapolis by tomorrow morning because I got to preach at my church in the morning preaching the word of God to the people of God in times like these. This is the conversation we really have. And then she said, sir, do you see all of these people here? I mean, it was packed, folk everywhere. I said, yeah, I see all these people. She said, all of them are trying to get on this flight. All of y'all trying to get on the same flight. I said, ma'am, but they ain't got to preach in the morning. I'm the only one getting on this plane that got to preach in the morning. And she said, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can. I got your name. You don't have to keep running back up here. I'm going to do everything I can to accommodate you and everybody we can. And then I didn't even ask her this. She just said, do you see that man sitting right there? I said, yeah, I see him. She said, now he is a must fly. M-U-S-T-F-L-Y. A must fly. I had never heard that term before in the airline industry. A must fly. I said, what are you talking about? She said, that man has to get a seat on this flight. If he's not on this flight, this flight will not take off. The only way this flight takes off and gets to that destination, if, if that man gets on, he's a must fly. He's got to have a seat to take off and get to that destination. And I said, what's so big about him? She said, he's a pilot. <laughs> we got to get him to another location to fly one of these planes. But while she was saying that, a must fly, he got to be on there. The Holy Spirit spoke something in my spirit for you. Because some of y'all really want to take off. Some of y'all really trying to get to a certain height, trying to get to a certain destination. But the Holy Spirit told me to tell you something. You see Jesus right there? He's a must fly. And the only way you're going to take off, get to your height, your destination, you got to let Jesus aboard your life. But when you get Jesus, I know I got some witnesses. He'll get you to wherever you need to go. You got to choose Jesus over the crowd. Do I have a witness in here? 
Let me try to shut this thing down. But I want to tell you, like Moses told the people, I set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. I'm going to tell you like Joshua told the people, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. You can't serve two masters because you'll love one and hate the other. You'll cling to one and let loose the other. You can't serve God and money. You got to choose Jesus for yourself. I'm done, but I'm going to close by testifying. Can I testify? Some folk would rather have houses and land. Some folk choose silver and gold. These things they treasure, but they forget about their soul. But I decided to make Jesus my choice. Now, sometimes the road gets rough, and the going gets tough, and the hills are hard to climb. But I started out a long time ago. And there is no doubt in my mind, I decided to make Jesus my choice. Is there anybody here that chose Jesus? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Somebody give him glory in here. God has highly exalted him, given him a name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Somebody give him glory. Hallelujah. Come on, stand with me. Hallelujah.